Hello, fight fans. Welcome back to the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. This is episode number 231 of TNC for the week of August 8th. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Ring Magazine and RingTV.com. So we have a lot to talk about tonight. No guest. We're going to have open phones, so you guys get in on the phones. You know the number in the USA, 213-267-7787. And in the UK, 02081-036051. Both of those numbers are toll-free. As always, guys, I remind you and I ask you, pay your fee, all right? I ask you to make sure that you're plugging the show. Give us a retweet. Give us a post in your boxing blog. Make sure you're following. Make sure that you're subscribed. Leave a rating. Leave a review. That is the best thing you can do for me, all right? Watch the show live on The Ring Digital. That's The Ring's YouTube channel. Listen to the show live on the Montero Unboxing uh, Spreaker platform. And then from there, the audio podcast goes out everywhere around the world. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, all of them. There's a million of these platforms I can't even keep up, okay? Lots of news and notes to talk about. I was going to say a joke early on and be like, you know what? Not much happened this week. There's not a lot to talk about, right? I was going to troll a little bit, but then I thought, you know what? Too much seriousness, man. So um, real quick, I wanted to just show you guys the last two uh, issues of Ring Magazine. So August 2020, the Gotti Ward tribute. Guys, if you are a fan of those three fights and who the hell isn't, This issue of the magazine is a must-have, all right? Uh, You have everything else in there that you expect from an issue of Ring Mag. You got the ratings and all that good stuff, the news, the notes. But this is an issue dedicated to Mickey Ward and Arturo Gatti, their legendary three fights, their slugfests. There's details about the fights themselves. Uh, You know, I could thumb through all the different articles, but... Uh, Not just the three fights, but also things about the fighters, some things you probably didn't know before. And for Arturo Gatti, there's even some stuff about what happened in Brazil, the tragic ending to his life. Was that a suicide? Was that a murder? Who knows? It's probably something we'll never have the answer to. Um, And then, of course, the September Mike Tyson special edition. If you guys are fans of Mike Tyson, this is a must-have. All sorts of awesome material on Tyson, both during his career, of course, and after all the turmoil outside the ring, the craziness inside of it as well. My favorite part, though, is uh, Tom Gray did a piece here called uh, Mike Tyson's Student of the Game, where Tyson talks about uh, the different heavyweights of history that you know he looked at and studied. And, of course, you got uh, Jack Johnson in there. Jack Dempsey, Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano, all these different guys, Sonny Liston. So uh, check this out, guys. I think both of these are going to sell out. We've had a couple issues already this year sell out. People dig these special issues. They always sell out. We have one coming up about Manny Pacquiao, and I'm happy to say I'm going to have an article in there. In fact, I've been talking to Freddie Roach's people uh, over the weekend to get some uh, to get an interview set up for a piece I'm going to do in that special. But, guys, these always sell out, okay? Make sure you pick these up. You could go to Ring's website, and, and you can buy issues of the magazine right off the site. You could buy back issues off the site right there. So if you don't want to go to your local newsstand and deal with all that craziness, in this COVID world, I get it. Go to the Ring store, all right? Just go to the ringtv.com, uh, click on Ring store. You see everything right there, all right? 
So let's get into some news and notes. Now, um, of course, unless you've been sleeping under a rock, you heard that Pauli Malignaggi was released, let go, fired from whatever term you want to use from Showtime slash Viacom slash CBS. It will no longer be doing commentary for Showtime Championship Boxing. Obviously, that's a really important story because it ties into, it has tentacles that go into a lot of different things uh, that are taking place in the world right now, particularly here in America. It's an election year and all the you know crazy political discourse going on between the citizens of this country. A global pandemic, I mean, it just touches so many different things. So uh, I'm going to talk about that in a second. But first, let's talk about some other fight news, okay? Uh, Lomachenko versus Lopez. So a lot of you guys have asked for my opinion on this. Really quick, I won't go into too much detail here, but it was reported by one boxing reporter none of this has been confirmed obviously but this is one boxing reporter saying that Tiafima Lopez was offered about 1.2 million uh, on the surface and um, I think Lomachenko was offered like 3.5 million somewhere in that ballpark so basically Lomachenko getting about 75 percent of the purse and uh, Lopez getting about 25 percent of the purse now from what I've heard the original offers were closer to 4 million and 2 million so it was a two-thirds split, but with a pay cut. Now, has any of this been confirmed? Have I been in any of these boardrooms where these contracts are being written up? No. Do I have some inside source giving me the numbers? No. Do I have inside sources giving me rumors? Yes. Okay, and this is I'm just telling you guys this is what I've heard. So um, both guys were asked to take an equal pay cut. It ends up being where, again, Tiafima Lopez getting a little more than a quarter of the purse, which when you look at what these two fighters bring to the table, I think that is more than fair. However, apparently, Tiafima Lopez says, no, that's not enough. I want more. And the fear porn starts on Twitter. And suddenly, everyone's saying, oh, my God, this fight is, is not going to happen, blah, 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 right? It's always jump to the fear because fear equals clicks. If it bleeds, it leads. That's not just in mainstream media. That's in boxing media as well. Um, not you know, When I say it bleeds, it leads, I'm not just talking about action in the ring. I'm talking about the fear porn outside of it. So um, I just find all this very, very hypocritical. Number one, People have asked me, Mike, well, what, has, what does Lomachenko bring to the table? He's this tiny little guy that doesn't have a great handle on English. It's not like he's a heavyweight, a knockout artist. How does he command this kind of money? You guys are forgetting something. Foreign TV money. That's a big one. That's a big one. For fighters from overseas that bring in a fan contingent from other parts of the world, they bring certain money with them, certain economic power with them that you're not going to see reported in the commissions here in the United States. So there's a purse number that gets reported here. What you're not seeing is that foreign TV revenue that comes in and foreign sponsorship deals and things like that. Top rank sees all that shit. Believe me, they've been in this business for a long time. They know what Lomachenko's worth. A lot more than myself and any of us watching or listening here do. So if they say he's worth 3.4 or originally I guess it was 4 million, then that's what he's worth. And for Teofimo Lopez to be getting Anywhere from a quarter of the purse to 30% of the purse or whatever, that's pretty good considering he just won his title in his last fight. He's a young guy. And in terms of a fan base, he really doesn't bring a big one with him. But what's interesting to see, as soon as he said, nah, I want some more money, the Lomachenko haters come out and everyone's talking shit. Oh, top rank, 
they, they lowball their their fighters. This is why Tio should sign with Uncle Lau. Blah 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 blah. The same shit over and over, different day. Some fans out there would rather see this fight go to pay per view and cost them eighty dollars, or this fight not happen and Tiafima Lopez sit on his ass out of principle because one point two million wasn't quite enough. What kind of fight fans are these? What kind of fight fans are these? Let me tell you what will happen. In the end, as I said on Twitter last week, this fight will happen. And what's going to happen is instead of getting 1.2 million, Tiafima Lopez will get maybe 1.4 million. Or maybe he'll get 1.2 million reported through the media, but there will be a few thousand dollars on the back end or something like that. Some other deal written on the back end that people don't see in the media, or at least the commission doesn't see. It'll get sorted out, as I said on Twitter last week. This is part of the sausage being made. Have you guys ever seen uh, sausage being made? It's disgusting. Have you ever seen, uh, have you ever seen like, what happens on a farm and how your poultry and your pork is, is you know, brought to your plate? It's not pretty. You don't want to see that process. It's nasty. It's ugly. What you want to see is that beautiful steak on your plate, right? So just chill out. The negotiating, that, that's the meat being processed. That's the meat grinder stuff that you don't want to see, okay? Just chill. Just wait. October 3rd, I promise you, you're going to get the steak on your plate. You're going to get this fight. And it's probably going to be ESPN pay-per-view. Okay, Spence versus Garcia officially announced for November 21st, Fox pay-per-view. What I find so funny about these announcements, breaking. Everything's breaking, breaking, breaking. Guys, have, have I not been telling you since last year? that this was the next fight that was going to happen. It was supposed to happen in the spring. That all got screwed up, obviously. But have I not been telling you that? Some of us have been telling you this is because people related to the fight told me that shit 10 months ago or whatever it was, nine, eight, nine months ago. So this was hardly breaking news. This was just a fight that we all knew was coming and we all knew it was going to pay-per-view, finally made official. That's all this was. Now, that being said... I like to fight. And do I think it's a pay-per-view worthy fight? No. But for better or for worse, since Errol Spence fought Mikey Garcia and the PBC used that as a brand building exercise for him, he is going to be a twice a year fighter on Fox pay-per-view from here on out. That's just the way it is, guys. Uh, Errol Spence and Deontay Wilder, you're going to get two fights a year with them on Fox pay-per-view. Javante Davis, and the Charlo brothers are about to become pay-per-view fighters from here on out, 2021 going forward. They're going to be on Showtime pay-per-view twice a year. Manny Pacquiao is a big enough star. He can bounce back and forth between Fox, Showtime, and kind of do whatever he wants to do. But, of course, he's a pay-per-view fighter. Now, who wins this fight? On paper, Spence should win. He should win big. If this fight happened a year or two ago before the accident, I would have picked Errol Spence to win. It, would he knock uh, Garcia out? No. None of these PBC welterweights are going to knock each other out. They're all pretty closely, uh, they're pretty competitive with each other. These guys, you mix up any combination of them, nine times out of ten, these fights are going to distance. Garcia will do good enough to win a few rounds. It'll be 8 4, 116, 112, something like that. And there will be some Errol Spence haters slash Danny Garcia lovers on Twitter saying, oh, man, Garcia got ripped off. That seems to be the way just about all of these PBC welterweight fights go. So I hope they put together a good undercard for this because it needs it. 
Errol Spence, you know, coming off that car accident, that's the X factor. Is he anywhere near the guy he was before that? We will find out. The one thing Danny Garcia does have is a nice counter hook on the inside. He also has good timing. So if you slip and you reach a little too much on the inside, you're just a slightly off balance, he will make you pay for that. Errol Spence, I think, is going to fight this fight the way he fought Mikey Garcia. Now, Mikey Garcia and Danny Garcia, two different fighters, two different styles. I'm not trying to make an apples-to-apples comparison. What I'm saying is Errol fought that fight using his length and using his jab. He kept his head back. He didn't lean in. He didn't get wild like he has against some other fighters. Like with Porter, he got a little wild at times because he could. Against Danny, I think he's going to respect that that counter hook coming. He's going to keep that hand up on the temple and catch that hook and pot shot when he catches it. He's going to stay long with the jab and box smart. If he could soften Danny up late, maybe he goes for broke late. But that's pretty much the way. And, you know, it's also the way he fought um, Porter early on in that fight too. That's the style I see Spence fighting with. I see a distance fight here. I see a 116-112 kind of decision for Spence. Uh, let me go to the chat here. I saw a super chat pledge. Who was that from? That was from D3440. Thank you so much. He asked, will Madrimov become a multi-weight division, uh, multi-weight division champ? You're talking about Israel Madrimov. My personal belief is yes. I think uh, Israel Madrimov, Jerron Boots Ennis, Virgil Ortiz, Devin Haney, all those guys, there's several of them that are going to be multi-weight title holders. Now, you're asking champ. That's different from title holder. Very, very different. That is dependent on politics and a lot of different things coming together. All those guys that I mentioned, including Madrimov, have the uh, potential to do that. But to become a champion, you guys know I always make this distinction. Winning a world title is one thing. There's all these vacant titles and all that. But winning a actual championship, that is being seen as the guy in the division. Whether you have all the belts, which is almost impossible to do these days because of politics, or maybe you just have two of the belts or three of the belts. But you, are the, you, you engage in a number one versus number two fight. You win that fight. You become the guy, right? Tyson Fury just became the guy again when he beat uh, Deontay Wilder earlier this year because that was the number one and number two heavyweights fighting each other. So he became the guy. When Alexander Usyk cleaned out the cruiserweight division, he was the guy. When Terrence Crawford cleaned out 140, he was the guy. And on and on it goes. Those were champions. Now that's different than title holder. But Israel Madrimov will win titles in two or three divisions, mark my words. Absolutely that will happen. And it's funny you mentioned him because he kind of is part of the discussion I'm about to jump into. I saw a couple of you guys asking about what exactly did Paulie Malignaggi say? Well, I'm going to read you the quotes here in a minute, okay? So let's get started with this Paulie stuff. And then after this, guys, feel free to jump in on the phones. A lot of you are probably going to have questions about this stuff, okay? So to get your question at the top of the list on the chat, drop a super chat so I can see it, all right? Because it it pops up and I can see it. Because I'm expecting some some, uh, phone calls about this whole story. So Paul Malignaggi fired by Showtime. Now, some people have used the word released, let go, whatever. He's no longer going to call fights for Showtime Championship Boxing. This happened late last week. I believe it was Friday. And there was an immediate, visceral, guttural, emotional reaction on uh, 
Twitter boxing or boxing Twitter, however you want to call it, and all of social media, which was predictable, of course. So a lot of you guys have asked about my opinions on this. I'm, I'm going to try to do my best here to give a really nuanced view of this entire situation without putting too much of my own personal opinions on it. I will give some of my opinions, okay? But what I would like to do is ask for your opinions more than anything else. I will give some of my opinions. So let's get on with this. Okay. It, opinion. Paulie Malignaggi is the best color commentator in the business. He is the best commentator who is a former fighter, not just in boxing, but in all of fight sports right now, including UFC, MMA, pride, kickboxing, all of it. He is the best color commentator in all of it. That doesn't mean I agree with everything Paulie says. That doesn't mean I don't think he's been a hypocrite on certain issues. And I've disagreed with him because I have. I've disagreed with Paulie on a lot of things he said. But X's and O's, chopping up what's going on in the ring, he is the best in the sport, and I think the best in all of martial arts, not just boxing. Tony Yeo in the chat, better than Cormier. Yes, he is the best in all of fight sports, color commentary. The best. And he's gone now. And he was replaced with Abner Mares, who, no disrespect to Abner Mares, I really, really respect what he has done post-fighting days, even though is he still fighting? I don't know. That's kind of blurry and fuzzy, but I think he's retired. Hopefully he stays retired this time. But he has done a good job for himself in terms of marketing. And I know I think he had a deal with Adidas. You know, he's done a very, very good job business-wise for himself after boxing. He's set up for a good future after boxing. And he does a decent job with commentary, but he is not very, very he's just not on Paulie's level. I'll leave it at that. He doesn't have Paulie's stage presence. He doesn't have his flow. Guys, being on camera, especially if you're a one-man show like what I'm doing right here, it's not easy. And I've done a little bit of fight commentary before. There's someone talking in your ear. There's guys talking around you. There's lights. There's music. There's a DJ. There's drunk people behind you spilling beer at your feet. There's crowds cheering. It's a complicated thing. It's not easy. Okay, so I give guys credit, especially former fighters who don't have training in that field and who do it. I give them credit. They deserve it. But there's a certain flow some guys have. There's a certain stage presence some guys have where the viewer, the listener is drawn to them, to their voice, to their presence. Paulie has that. That's something you can't teach. The guy, the guy just has it. Regardless of how you feel about him, his viewpoints, whatever, I don't think that could be denied. It's like some actors. Some actors have a commanding presence. Some actors, eh, you barely notice them when they're on screen. Abner, God bless him. He's just one of those guys. I think that Showtime could have brought in somebody like Raul Marquez, who already does um, the Showbox cards. He's been doing them for years. He does an outstanding job. They could have cycled in somebody else but either way, whoever you brought into this position to replace Paulie, it's a downgrade on the team. It's a downgrade for Showtime Championship Boxing's production, period, and a story. They drew a political line here and ended up cheapening and lessening their product, but that is their right to do so. Now, I should also recommend uh, Doug Fisher's mailbag uh, from today. Now, Doug Fisher's Mailbag on Mondays and Fridays is must-read if you're a diehard boxing fan anyway. But Dougie gave his thoughts on his mailbag today, and he did an outstanding job articulating some of his personal beliefs 
but also some of the beliefs he's read and seen on social media. And also he provided some historical references and some statistics, some numbers, which I will go further and expand upon further here in just a second, uh, to provide context to what Pauli Malignaggi was talking about during this IFL interview back in April. Because he did bring up some good points. Maybe he didn't express them with the best verbiage, the best vernacular, and you know maybe some of the phraseology wasn't the best, but some of the things he brought up were true and relevant to what he was asked about. Okay, and I should be clear about this. So the official reason Showtime says they fired Paulie was because of racially charged comments or controversial comments, offensive comments, whatever word you want to use, uh, from an IFL TV interview on YouTube from, I think, early April, early mid-April. Let me just be clear with you guys right now. That is not why Paul Malignaggi was fired. That's the convenient excuse. That's the justification that they used to fire him because they refused to apologize for it. But that is not why he was fired. If the powers that be over at Showtime Viacom had issues with what he said during that interview, they would have fired him in April or May or June. They didn't. They waited four months later to fire him. This is part of a bigger issue with Pauly and the people at that network, okay? He was not fired for what he said with this interview. I just want to make that very, very clear. I want to make sure I say that again, all right? Think of the timing of this and just do a little math in your head. If there was an issue with what he said back then, there was three, four months you could have fired him for it. Okay. And by the way, he was fired just before Showtime Championship Boxing came back, literally the day or two before they came back on air. Again, they could have fired him back when this interview happened. So I want to, um, in other words, guys, this was the last straw. But look at the timing of it. Also, Paulie wasn't at work when he said what he said. He was, it's not like he was doing a Showtime broadcast and he um, went on this weird racialized rant or something that nobody asked about. He was doing an interview in his private time on a YouTube channel. And he was asked about Devin Haney's racially charged comments that deeply offended a lot of people. And Paulie gave his answer. Now, there's kind of two parts to his answer. And I'm going to read you guys what he said, because I want you to have all the right words because, or I'm sorry, all the words, because a lot of articles, a lot of posts I've seen are taking Paulie out of context or leaving out part of what he said. They're conflating and twisting some of his words. Boxing Scene wrote that he talked about immigration, which was incorrect. They have since fixed it after being called out. Other people have said that Pauly said white fighters are the best in the world. He didn't say that. Uh, so there are people kind of adding their own context and their own interpretation of what Pauly said in their stories, which is never a good thing to do. Um, all right, I'll get to that in just a second. I want to make this point. This isn't about whether what Pauly said offended you or whether you agree with it. This isn't about whether you agree with part of it, disagree with part of it, whether you like Pauly, dislike him. What this is about, in my opinion, is free speech versus freedom of consequence. In the United States, we have the First Amendment. And right there at the beginning of the Bill of Rights, it tells you you have the freedom to say whatever the hell you want. However... There's also freedom of consequence. And Showtime 
has a right to hire and fire the way they see fit. Nothing illegal happened here, although Showtime will be paying Paulie a hefty severance package. By the way, I should mention, guys, I had a, a brief communication with Pauly Malignaggi yesterday. I wanted him to be on the show today. He would have come on the show. He said he would come on the show. However, he told me, Mike, basically, Mike, it'd be a waste of your time. I can't talk about this right now because it's ongoing. After all this is settled, I'll come on the show and talk about it. So he made that promise to me, and we're going to do that later on down the road. Whether that's a month from now or six months from now, guys, I couldn't tell you. But I want you to know I did reach out to Paulie. We talked a little bit yesterday. He will be on the show at some point, but he can't talk about it right now, so it would be kind of a waste to have him on. And, I, you know, Paulie, I appreciate you being honest about that, man, and not wasting everyone's time because, obviously, this is what everyone wants to talk about. So this goes, again, freedom of speech versus freedom of consequence, cancel culture. Where do you stand on all this, guys? Paulie Malignaggi refused to apologize for what he said. Now, this is what I find very interesting because in some people's minds, that makes Paulie a hero because in modern cancel culture, There's a small minority of people out there that have a disproportionate amount of institutional systemic power over our systems and institutions of media, the tech platforms, uh, academia, Hollywood, and that includes obviously the boxing press. This very small group of people with one very, very strong political worldview has a disproportionate amount of privilege, power, and control over these institutions. And they write and control the social narrative and dictate what is acceptable and what is not. All these people really want is for you to apologize when you say or do something that pisses them off because it's a power trip for them. They get a little boost to their ego, and then they move on to the next person to try to ruin or cancel. And in so often, we've seen people in recent years apologize for stuff, and it's the same doctored-up, lawyered-up apology that you know they didn't write, and whether they're tweeting it or posting it on their Facebook, or, or putting it out in some uh, statement on their Instagram, they're not writing this, these apologies. You can feel it. It's forced. And I'll, I'll go back to Devin Haney, because Devin Haney said some things that offended people. To his credit, he later apologized. Now, was that organic from him, or was his team advising him to do that? Did he write that apology, or did they write the apology? I'll let you guys be the judge of that. Pauli Malignaggi refused to apologize. And depending on where you sit ideologically on this issue, that might make him a good guy in your view. That might make him a bad guy. It might make him a hero. It might make him a villain. But one thing Pauli told me is I stand by my convictions and, and you know, I stand by um, my principles, I think is the word he used. So that is an interesting little wrinkle to this here because I can't tell you the last time somebody said something that got controversial and they didn't apologize, which is crazy to me because growing up, that was the norm. You know, certain comedians, like, think of George Carlin. Some of you guys are way too young to even know who, who George Carlin was. But, they, okay, think about Howard Stern. Some of you guys are probably too young to, to know who Howard Stern is. But Howard Stern back in his prime offended the hell out of people. And one of the biggest reasons why he became such a big you know, entity, and then later on, Opie and Anthony took over Howard Stern, and in my opinion, were way better than Howard Stern in their prime, but they refused to apologize. And that got them in trouble, and sometimes it got them canceled, it got them fired, but ultimately they always won because people respected that. Now it's like the opposite. Everyone apologizes, 
And it's, it's so rare when somebody doesn't that it's surprising. I find that very, very interesting. Um, let's see. I, I should mention, Pauli Malignaggi has a history of controversial comments. This latest interview with IFL TV was not the first. It probably won't be the last time he says something controversial or something that rubs some people the wrong way. He's an opinionated, outspoken guy, and he has certain beliefs that go against the mainstream narrative that is indoctrinated in people almost from inception, from before you're even born in this country now and in in the entire Western world. So, And by the way, this isn't right versus left, Republican versus Democrat. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when it comes to free speech. There are people who there's two different viewpoints on this issue. And Paulie, I think, is a free speech absolutist. And he's just going to stand by that. And because of that, he's gotten himself into trouble with his words. And there's an element here that no one's brought up yet in any of the articles I've read. By the way, I, real quick, and I'm sorry, guys, I'm bouncing all over, but this is a really complicated story, and I, I just want to be really, really careful that I'm getting everything out there, okay? Because you know how it is today. There are people watching and listening right now that are taking save screens and writing down little three, four-word phrases of mine that they can tweet out and paint a certain way to paint me in a negative light. There are people constantly watching me like a hawk. You know who some of these people are. There are things Paulie has said that I vehemently disagree with. I believe Paulie has been a hypocrite on certain issues. His obsessions over Manny Pacquiao and Conor McGregor were baffling to me and annoying, and I completely disagreed with them. You know what I'm saying? But all human beings are hypocrites. All, I'm a hypocrite. I've been a hypocrite. We all have. We've all stuck our foot in our mouth. I, I'm saying this as a guy that freely admits I've tweeted things and I've looked back. I've had people tell me, Mike, yeah, this was a stupid tweet. Here's why. And I go back and I look and I'm like, "Uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said it like that. I could see how people might be offended here. I need to do a better job being more inclusive in my thought process before I express my opinions. And I'm trying to get better. So this isn't me beating up on Paulie or anybody else. I'm admitting that I pull this shit too, just like every one of you watching and listening does. But all in all, I, I think Paulie has, again, been the best color commentator in the sport. And his refusal to apologize and him standing by his convictions and his principles, to a certain extent, even though I disagree with a lot of them, it's refreshing to see somebody just stand by what they say and what they believe and not give in and just be authentic. How many truly authentic people do we have in the boxing media? Do you guys want a bunch of milk toasty bullshit? Do you want a bunch of puff pieces? Do you want everything to be shiny and rainbows and pretty and you know pretty smelly little flowers and shit? Or do you want some real talk sometimes, even if it makes you uncomfortable? You decide. You guys are ultimately the voice. All right, we got a couple of super chat pledges here. And then I promise you, I'm going to read Paulie's comments word for word. Boxing lawyer with the super chat pledge. Thank you so much. He says, free speech laws don't apply for a private company. You are absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. And that's why I said it before. I'll say it again. What Showtime did here, Showtime slash Viacom, CBS, PBC, because they're involved in this too. It was 100% their right to do. There's nothing illegal about what they did, okay? Uh, Trent, non with the Super Chat Pledge. Thank you so much, Trent. I appreciate that, my man. He says, yo, excited for that 815 DAZN card. Madrimov, Giasov, Abibi, 
showcase fights equals KOs. Charlo pay-per-view won't be the same without Pauly. Good stuff, Trent. Always good stuff from you, brother. I should mention one last thing, and then I promise I'm going to read these comments. Um, Pauly Malignaggi, I'm not going to give too many details, but part of the reason he's being fired, guys, is because during some of his commentary, he's been very, very frank and very firm and very fair about some PBC fighters, guys like Deontay Wilder. He has gone against the corporate-approved narrative, and ultimately, that cost you your job in 2020. Forget the woke stuff. Forget the language, free speech stuff. Him stepping out of line and saying some things that were not part of the corporate promotional narrative over at PBC slash Fox, Showtime, all of it, that is what got him on the hit list. I'm going to personalize this just a little bit. Over the last few years, before uh, Fury and Wilder fought each other, when I went hard at ESPN and, um, and top rank about Tyson Fury, calling him lineal, lineal, lineal. You guys know, you listen to my show, you know. I, I trolled the hell out of them. And I talked about the fact that why is nobody asking questions about Tyson Fury being out of the ring for almost three years? Him testing positive for steroids the, the same year he fought Vladimir Klitschko. And Klitschko and the entire boxing press wasn't made aware of it until after the Klitschko fight. UCAD completely mishandling the whole process. Fury and his lawyers strong-arming UCAD to the point where they were in, in almost in dire straits where they could have went under and they had to bend and give in to Fury. And they give out a retroactive suspension that doesn't go back to the dates that the, the samples were collected and tested positive, mind you. They backdated this retroactive suspension to just after he became lineal champion and beat Klitschko. It was a complete catastrophe. And I talked about this, honestly, for several years. It cost me a job. I'm not going to give you details, but I know I've been told by people related to the situation, it absolutely cost me a job. That's what happens in 2020 when you tell the truth, okay? And that's what happened here with Pauly. Now, I'm going to read you these comments from Pauly's interview, or from a portion of an interview on a YouTube channel about four months ago. Paulie was asked specifically about Devin Haney's racialized comments, which did offend a lot of people. Paulie said, boxing has had its course in history with certain demographics dominating more, f- more than others, right? Maybe like 100 years ago, Irish fighters were better. And then the Jews and the Italians came in. I think the African-American fighter became most dominant in the sport in the 70s, 80s, and even 90s. It's not great to have the race discussion because it's going to coordinate division. It's the Eastern European, Eastern European fighters that have become the dominant species in boxing. That's the first part I talked about. There's kind of two parts to Paulie's response. Now, what Paulie hinted on there has a lot of truth to it. The only thing I would point to is the, the use of the term dominant species. That triggered some people. Species, dominant. I think anyone with a brain realizes what Paulie was saying there, realizes it was a a term, an expression, okay? There's nothing more than that. He was not suggesting that people of this ethnic group are a different species than people of that ethnic group. He was not suggesting that there's some racial or, or 
special dominance between one group and another. He was not at all going there. But if you're a person with an agenda or a person who's out looking for things to get triggered over, you're going to zoom you're going to zoom right into those two words, dominant species and pounce like a cat. So, poor choice of words on Pauli Malignaggi's part. I wouldn't have used those words. You could have said dominant force, something like that, but dominant species not the best choice of words. And I can understand why that phraseology bothered some people. But that, res- that part of the response I was good with because, number one, it's kind of true. And I'll get into that a little bit later. But number two, um, he was responding to exactly what he was asked. He was asked about Devin Haney's comments, and he provided an answer why Devin Haney's comment beyond being offensive to people was just stupid. It was ignorant. It was incorrect. If you look at the demographics of boxing right now and the way that things change over the years, right? So, and there was also, you know, some other things Paulie said, but that was the bulk of the first part. It's this second part where Paulie really put his foot in his mouth because he starts talking about modern day racial oppression. He was not asked about this. He was asked about Devin Haney's comments. The interviewer didn't ask him, hey, Paulie, what do you think about racial oppression in 2020? Does it exist? Do you think it's exaggerated in the media? Where do you think it stands compared to where it was 50, 100, 500 years ago? He wasn't asked any of those things. He added that. He, he injected his own uh, worldview into that discussion where it was not necessary. And that's where even if Paulie was standing right here with me, I would tell him, dude, if that were me, I wouldn't have went there because you weren't being asked about that. That was extra information that you threw out there that really, really upset people. Now, here's what Paulie said. I try not to join into the race conversations because this is one of the exact examples of why I don't believe there is racial oppression in 2020 in this century. I believe there has been, sure, but I don't believe that there is any racial oppression today. I believe it's all made up and it's exaggerated. This is exactly one of the reasons why the fact that a black fighter can say that, he's referring to Devin Haney's comments, and not pay any price. But if a white fighter said that about a black fighter, he'd probably lose his TV contract and probably TV networks wouldn't touch him. I won't tell you that it's a double standard, but I'll tell you that it does prove that the whole that the entire whole hypothesis of racial oppression is way above exaggerated in this century. Now, you may agree with that. You may disagree with it. You may agree with parts of it. You may disagree with parts of it. Wherever you stand, that's really not the issue. The issue to me is he wasn't asked about that. And that's a loaded, loaded topic that he injected in the conversation where you could say it was relevant, and he did relate it to Devin Haney's comments, clearly in the quote I just made. He did relate it to Devin Haney, and he made a point. But there's certain things he touched upon he just didn't need to go there. And given all the other things, his history with PBC and some of the things he said in the past, this was just the final straw. I also want to do this, though, guys. Um, we're going to take a call here in a second. I see one of you guys has been on hold for a minute, so I'm going to get you in just a minute, I promise. I want to read for you the literal definitions of these two words. Oppression. And I just Google this stuff to get the actual uh, definition. The state of being subject to unjust treatment or control, mental pressure or distress, and racism. 
The belief that different races possess distinct characteristics, abilities, or qualities, especially so as to distinguish them as inferior or superior to one another. I read those definitions because I want to give you the literal definition, not the definition your favorite entertainer gave you or your college professor gave you, but the literal real-world definition of those two words as it relates to this whole conversation and leave it up to you to interpret. Let's uh, jump over to the phones here and grab a quick call. And I still got more to say about this subject, guys, all right? But let's uh, jump on the phones here. Uh, 570, you're on TNC. Go. Hey, thanks. This is Thad from uh, Facebook. Uh, I got to say, love your monologue. I agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, You know, a lot of it's fact-based. I mean, there's no questioning. What's the reality here? And uh, I'd like to start off with Pauli Malignaggi. And you're absolutely correct. He was fired because he told the truth um, about PBC's fighters, specifically Deontay Wilder. Um, I'll always remember this commentary um, from the pay-per-view, or the, I don't know, I think it was on Showtime, that's right, with Ortiz. After the, sixth, after the seventh round when Ortiz uh, rocked Wilder, had him out on his feet, the, uh, the ring doctor came in after the round was over and examined him for 30 right. seconds. And Paulie's there, he's like, you can't do that what's going on here like he was just incredulous to what he was seeing so you know he exclaimed while everybody else stayed silent then he followed it up you know after the fact with other comments that were bang on true and i know for a fact you know being in corporate america for 20 years uh big fortune 500 companies nowadays they have regulators on staff and i was part of a deposition where I had to testify on behalf of uh, my uh, manager VP of the company. Um, there, there was a new hire that was uh, a diversity coordinator, mm-hmm. um, which was completely new to the corporate landscape. And this goes back five years. This is where the whole cancel culture started as far as I'm concerned. I had to give a deposition because I put principle over payment, so to say, to back this guy because I knew Scott, you just got your volume just got real low, man. Make sure you're speaking up because you're kind of real low. All right. Um, Yeah, he refused to hire certain uh, candidates that the company was pushing because of diversity. Right. And they were getting rid of certain people and hiring um, different minorities to fill a quota because they were getting kickbacks from the government to hire them. Um, You know, and, and they fired him because of it. So he sued the company. I ended up coming in and having to give a deposition, which kind of put me on the stand, and it hurt me in the long run. Okay, but uh, he ended up winning the, the case, but not because of that. He won because of racial dis- or uh, age discrimination, not because of racial discrimination. So to make a long story short, Polly, you know, God love him. In this day and age, it's either you put you know, you're, you're honest to God, truth on the line or your job. And right. you're right. He, uh, he went off the cuff a little bit. And what he said about the, uh, you know, with, with the race and all uh, racial oppression, you can't really touch that subject. But what he said about, you know, the, the Eastern European fighters was bang on true. Just look at a ring magazine. Uh, you'll see the other uh, top 10. Well, I'm going to get to that in just a minute here. Yeah, I was going to get to that because Doug mentioned it in his uh, email, but he only mentioned a few parts of it. I'm going to go even further with it. But, you know, I, you know, well, what else you got, Scott? Sorry, I cut you off. 
Yeah, um, well, here's the thing coming up with Lomachenko and, and Lopez. We've seen this tired act before. Uh, this, this mirrors what happened with Gennady Golovkin and uh, Chris Eubank Jr. Eubank Jr. was calling Golovkin out for years, trying to make a name off him. Finally got the fight in the U.K., $5 million, I think. Uh, the first was either for Golovkin or him. Sold out arena. Well, he backs out at the last minute. Tell Brooke has to come in. Price himself out. You know, he, he uh, basically clout chased. That's a, a term that's relevant today in boxing. Golovkin's name, and then he backed out at the last minute. That's what we're seeing with Tiafimo Lopez here. His purse is double what he got against Comey. And in this landscape, you cannot expect to be overpaid anymore. Okay, even that's even without this COVID outbreak. So who is he to de- make such demands? If he's a real fighter that believes he can win and unify, you take that fight. That's a unification fight for all-time great status because you don't see unified champions anymore. The last lightweight unified champion was Pernell Whitaker. It wasn't Mayweather. It was Pernell Whitaker. He held all three belts. And this is something that he could attain. He could get them off of Lomachenko. He doesn't want the fight. This is the landscape of today's entitled American fighter, and it's the truth. Now, you don't see this with the foreign guys. They're willing to put it on the line. They're willing to risk it all. And it seems like the homegrown guys in the United States, they have this entitlement complex specific to boxing that they believe that they're, for some reason, entitled to more. And there's no more risk it all for down the road it's all get paid now get your retirement check ready for this fight and as a fan it's it's absolutely disheartening and what you said earlier about the fans wanting it on pay-per-view so this guy gets paid first of all they're not real boxing fans okay let's get that out there clear they're not boxing fans they're, they're fanagers fans for other reasons fanagers right yeah and it, it has to do with a lot of the lbbc and the the, the garbage content from the LBBC online, which is – it should be pulled from the, uh, the Internet as far as I'm concerned. It's all propaganda, and it's racially inflammatory. Yeah. And for, for people to come off and, and, and slander Lomachenko, of all people, this guy has 15 fights and he's fucking dead. You know, and this, this is sad. It's a sad state of boxing, and hopefully – Lopez mans up, you know, takes an extra 100000 or whatever, and accepts the fight. And I'll give the guy respect, win or lose, for taking that fight. Because nowadays, American fighters are just not taking the challenge. And um, I don't know if you have any response to that, because I no, have one I, more thing to, I want to run by you. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Run, yeah. run through it. Yeah, one, one other thing was the, uh, the PBC lineup. Um, never been a fan of PBC. I think they're, you know, it's all in-house shows to coddle their, their main attractions. And Heyman has an agenda. You know, he has his demographic that he caters to. And it's, it's kind of uh, hypocritical because he's exploiting Mexican fighters um, like he did with Mikey Garcia to Errol Spence. You know, he sold him out. Instead of putting Mikey Garcia in a unification fight with Lomachenko, he moves him up two weight classes to fight Errol Spence, which is a no-win situation for him, um, to get Spence uh, a fan base, a Mexican fan base, because they are the, the bread and butter of pay-per-view in America. And now he's doing it with Leo Santa Cruz and Tank Davis. 
And anybody who believes Tang Davis is going to make 130 pounds for that fight is, is beyond ridiculous. If you want to bet that fight, it's minus 350 right now for Tang Davis, but it's going to blow up to about minus 800 before the fight because he's going to come in at 134, and they're going to pay off Santa Cruz like Mayweather did versus Marquez. When Mayweather agreed to 144 catch for Marquez, is moving up from lightweight, and then he you know, cheated the weight class and weighed 146 and then paid him, well, what was it, like $900,000 to yeah. fight? Yeah. It was a mismatch. <laughs> the same thing is going to happen with this Tank Davis fight. And they're going to, the PBC is going to sit there after their whole mission statement was free boxing, free boxing. And now every fight that really should be on Showtime is pay-per-view. It's, it's a slap in the face to real boxing fans. And, you know, if anyone with half a brain realizes they could stream this, you know, and uh, to me, it, it's just the landscape of, American boxing right now that's it's disheartening. So, uh, with, with that being said, you, you know, you had the Charlos, you know, they're fighting uh, on pay per view as well. They're, that's not a pay per view fight. You know, this is like Deverinchenko versus uh, uh, Jacobs on HBO. And I think it's a, it's a good matchup for Charlo because he's a lot bigger, he has better footwork. Um, and and Deverinchenko's coming off a couple you know, bellwether fights where he took a lot of punishment. Mm -hmm. You know, that Golovkin fight, you know, he may not be Golovkin, Jacobs, and um, and the Colke fight. Those are all three grueling Colke. fights for him. So, yeah. I, oh, yeah. And look, Scott, Colke. we got to move on. But, I look, you bring up some sure. really, really interesting points that a lot of people agree with. I, I would say that there's a pattern you can see over at PBC. And this isn't, you know, I don't want to beat up on PBC. I do like some of the fights they put on. Uh, but I've talked about this in the past. Floyd Mayweather fought on Cinco de Mayo weekend, Mexican Independence Day weekend. He's not Mexican. Oh, yeah. He fought Ricky Hatton, Conor McGregor. He's not from the U.K. Floyd Mayweather realized that, and, and his advisor Al Heyman realized, here in North America, the Mexican fan contingency is the biggest, uh, most powerful fan contingency here. They spend their money. It's not that other fans don't. Let me be clear because this is 2020 and I have to say that. Other fans of, of every walk of life are outstanding too, but the biggest fan contingency is the Mexican fans. And over in Europe, it's, it's the U.K. fans. And I think that uh, there's a pattern there of, of Heyman. He's not the only one, but using fighters and, and fans of that demographic to build up uh, some of their fighters. We've seen this for now yeah. for years. I mean, to deny that's happening, I, I, it's the business of boxing. It's the business of boxing. Again, but again, it, it comes down to when it when it infringes on uh, principle and ethics. Um, he's getting away with it because you know the fan base. God love them. Love the Mexican fan base. I love watching boxing with them. And I'll never forget the time I watched uh, the Golovkin Canelo one with you know a whole entire theater of uh, Mexican fight fans. And I was stumping for Golovkin big time. And they all came up to me after the fight. And they said, honest to God, you know, we hate it here and you root for Golovkin the whole fight, but damn, he won the fight. <laughs> Much respect to him. And you know what? And that, and that showed me that these guys are about boxing. Yeah, they're going to root for their countrymen, just like Brazil roots for their soccer, uh, their soccer players. You know, I've been to many foreign countries, and it's just that culture that they get behind their people. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. So, 
With that being said, Heyman exploits them. And the only way to fight the power is, is boycott. But they're too proud, you know, to, uh, to, to say that or do that. And, and it stinks because now people are going to be gouged 80 bucks for a fight that should be on Showtime. And, uh, well, I, I do want to, I do want to say one thing, Scott. I want to make sure that, um, look again, your, your viewpoints, a lot of people share them. I, I will just add that, you know, PBC does have fighters that they represent that are Mexican American fighters that have done well. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz has done well. Mikey Garcia has done well with them. They represent Manny Pacquiao now, who's Filipino. They, uh, represented, uh, Carl Frampton at one point. So, we need to be clear about this, okay? But you do bring up interesting points. I will say boxing as a whole is an exploitative industry. I mean, it's young men being exploited by old wealthy men a lot of times. But it's also providing pathways for these young men to have better lives. And I will always defend boxing because it's saved countless more lives than it's, than it's hurt. But, uh, Scott, we got to oh, move absolutely. along, man. I got other calls, and I got to get sure. back to this stuff. But great call, brother. Thank you. Thank you. You too. All right. So some of the stuff Scott, you know, said there is going to offend some people. It's going to rub some people the wrong way. But my suggestion, my request would be, please, you know, have an open mind and, and hear different viewpoints. And you may agree, you may disagree, but we should all be allowed to express different viewpoints in a public place and um, I don't know, break bread together at the end of the day. We're all boxing fans. We agree on 90% of this shit. The only problem is everybody seems to focus on the 10% that we all disagree upon. Uh, I got somebody on hold here real quick. I want to get to something. Um, just hang out there on hold, okay? Because I want to finish up on this, my Pauli Malnagy stuff. And then I want to get to you guys, okay? But let me just state for the record here. Let me say this again. Pauli Malignaggi, the real reason why he got fired has little to nothing to do with the comments he made in the IFL interview over four months ago. This is more about him not towing the company line with Showtime. Some of the comments he made, as one of the callers just talked about, uh, after the Deontay Wilder fight with Luis Ortiz, some of the comments he's made, just speaking uh, some truth to some of the PBC fighters that they represent, goes against the corporate promotional narrative, and that put him on the hit list. There's a history of some... Uh, inflammatory language from Paulie, and that didn't help. And maybe this IFL interview was the final straw. But this interview is from April. If people were outraged over what he said in April, he could have been fired in April, May, June. Why did it take almost four months? It took over three months before he was finally let go. The timing of this thing suggests that this was just the last straw in a long line of uh, things that took place that upset the powers that be over at Showtime, Viacom, slash PBC. I think, again, the choice of the words dominant species, not the best phraseology for Pauli Malignaggi to use. Poor choice of words. Also, he was asked specifically about Devin Haney's comments. Replying to that, to that question was fine, but bringing up racial oppression and your political worldview on that, he wasn't asked about that. And I think that's where he crossed the line that he shouldn't have went to. This isn't about whether you agree with Paulie or disagree with him, whether you like him or not, whether you feel he should have been fired or not. What this is about for me is being consistent and being fair. And what upset me this weekend was to see 
a lot of hypocrisy in the, in the media and the boxing fans on the boxing social media universe. I saw a lot of articles being posted about Pauli Malignaggi twisting his words, painting him a certain way, relating his words to the George Floyd murder, which occurred after this IFL interview, uh, comparing what he said and relating it to the protests and riots and civil unrest that have taken place over the summer, which again happened months after his IFL interview, even relating his words to the current presidential administration, which is asinine. None of those things are related. You could draw comparisons as to why it may offend people, but my question is, why didn't it offend people in April? Why wasn't this such an, an egregious thing months ago? Why, why didn't he get fired then? Why did it take till now? Days before Showtime Championship Boxing was set to return this past Saturday. Many of the same people that I saw in the American fight press laughing off Devin Haney's comments and saying, man, why are people offended about what Devin Haney said? You people are ridiculous. You people can't even get offended about this stuff. This is not cool. A lot of those same people wanted Pauli Malignaggi's head on a pike this weekend, right? And the exact opposite. A lot of people that were deeply offended by Devin Haney's comments were saying, let's give Pauly a pass. He's a good guy. Well, which is it, ladies and gentlemen? You have to be consistent. Context matters. Nuance matters. Details matter. And I see too much. It's okay if you disagree with what he said. It's okay if you agree with it. I don't really care. I don't have an opinion one way or the other. What I don't like is the hypocrisy and people moving the goalpost dependent upon who said what they said, when they said it, how they said it. How about we treat every case with some consistency? How about we stop injecting our worldview on every case and that determines how we think everything should be adjudicated? Why don't we treat every case the same? I understand that there are differences between every case. I get that. But what I mean is, why not apply the same standards, the same ethics to every case? Let's be consistent and let's be fair. Now, one thing Paulie did hit on that I think did strike a nerve with people, and they're lying, they're not being honest, they're trying to make it about the racial oppression part. But the first part, where he talked about the changing demographics and the history of boxing, I think that bothered people because it scared them. And I've talked about this in the past. This is not something that should bother people or scare people. Throughout the history of boxing, there have been demographic waves and changes and different power structures in the sport, different ethnic groups, different immigrant groups, even uh, different uh, religious groups have had periods of dominance in the sport. And to me, that's the beautiful part of boxing. It's the part that unites all of us from different walks of life because we've all had our time in boxing, everyone's made it. Everyone's come up through this sport. That's what really separates it from other sports. That's what makes it so beautiful, in my opinion. It's something that should be embraced, not something that should be controversial. Months ago, after the actual interview with Pauli Malignaggi and IFL, I did a video talking about Pauli Malignaggi's comments. Imagine that. I actually did a video in April on my channel addressing Pauli Malignaggi's comments. Not 
in late July or early August like the rest of the media is doing because it's convenient and they're being offended because they're being told to be offended. No, no, no. I did a video then. I welcome you and invite you to go check it out where I talk about the history of boxing changing demographics and how beautiful that is and how it should be embraced. It shouldn't be something that scares you. It's, it's something that's great because we can all relate. We can all talk about all the different great fighters of different backgrounds. It's a uniting thing. It shouldn't be a divisive thing. And when Pauly talked about the fact that African-American, he specific, he didn't say black fighters. He said African-American, meaning black American fighters, were the dominant force in boxing from the 70s through the 90s. He wasn't lying. Guys, I invite you. Find it. Google it. BoxRec has a page where they have Ring Magazine's annual ratings year over year. And you can go back and see every year our annual ratings. It's listed there on BoxRec for you. You can find this. I think you go through Wiki or something and you'll find it. Look at the names. You will see just about every division in the sport. It is dominated not only by black fighters, but by black American fighters specifically from the 70s through the 90s. I'm talking about top 10 welterweights. Eight or nine of them are black Americans. That's how dominant they were. And if you go back into other eras of the sport, you will see there was a time where it was like that for Italian fighters, Jewish fighters, Anglo fighters. That's part of the cool thing about the sport, right? But if you look at the 2000s, the Mexican um, and Mexican and Mexican American fighters and Latin American fighters in general of all races, because Hispanic isn't a race. It's, it's a culture. It's an ethnicity. There are black Hispanics, white Hispanics, uh, mestizo Hispanics, indigenous Hispanics, but fighters from Latin America of all races really started to make their footprint of dominance. They, they were, they were there before, but they started to dominate in certain divisions. And now you're seeing that with fighters from Eastern Europe slash Central Asia. Fighters from the former Soviet Union are really not dominating all the divisions, but dominating several of them, and they have their footprint in every division. And I wanted to hint on something. Doug Fisher talked about this in his mailbag. I invite all of you to check it out. Awesome response. He gave the best response I've seen on this entire issue in written form. But boxing is more global than ever. Go right now to the ring uh, ringtv.com, go to our ratings. Pound for pound, top 10 pound for pound. There are two black fighters, two black Americans, Bud Crawford and Errol Spence. That's 20% for you math geniuses out there. In the heavyweight division, there are two black Americans in the top 10. One at cruiser, two at super middleweight and light heavyweight, three at middleweight, five at junior middleweight, four at welterweight, one at junior welterweight, two at lightweight, Three at junior lightweight, one at featherweight, one at junior featherweight. That's as far down as I went. So out of the 180 fighters ranked by ring, about 30 of them are black American, specifically black, uh, <clears throat> black American. In other words, about one-sixth. I think it's slightly under one-sixth. So the dominance that you saw in the 70s, 80s, and 90s is not the same today. And you can't just say, oh, it's because all the best heavyweights are in the NFL. Well, how do you explain all the lower weight divisions too? Okay, this is universal across boxing. It's not just the heavyweights. It's every division. In fact, several of the lower divisions, there's no black American fighters there. So this is something that 
it is part of a changing demographic trend in the sport. The sport is more global. The doors are open. All these fighters who could not compete professionally now are competing professionally. Boxing is more diverse. You look at the pound-for-pound list, we have fighters from several different continents, several different countries. Four of them are Eastern European. Uh, You know what? I'm just going to pull it up because why not pull it up? Because I think – you guys just might need to hear some of this. I mean, I, I think this is a good thing. I think this is awesome. We live in an age where everybody celebrates diversity, right? Ring Magazine, pound for pound list, top 10. We have a fighter from Mexico, Ukraine, Japan, America, Ukraine, America, Kazakhstan, Mexico, Russia, and the Philippines. That's pretty damn diverse. Go to any other sport. And take the top 10 athletes in any other sport. You will not find that much ethnic, racial, and national diversity. Why aren't we celebrating this? It's not something that should bother people. And that's all Pauli Malignaggi talked about. Is that these, these fighters from this other part of the world are starting to have their time now. And it should be embraced by fight fans. Not something that's, it's not something that should be bad. We shouldn't see so much Lomachenko hate, so much Golovkin hate. There's people out there that think Alexander Usyk doesn't belong on the pound-for-pound list. Are you crazy? People are that scared. Why is this frightening you? It shouldn't. It should be something that unites all of us. Full disclosure, my dad's Sicilian, my mother's Slavic. So <laughs> this whole conversation, I have ties to... Multiple parts of it. My father's Latin. My mother's Slavic. My father's a little bit Spanish, but mostly Sicilian. My mother's Eastern European. So um, I don't know. I, I, I think this is a good thing. I think it's a cool thing that we should all embrace. And I just, for some reason, it seems to really upset and bother people. I don't understand that. I just don't understand. It. All right, let's go back to the phone here. Uh, let's see. 4479. You are on the show. Go. Hi, Michael. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you for calling in. Is this our teeth, Daniel? Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Thank did you. I pronounce that correctly? Yes, you did. You did, my friend. All right. All right. Uh, well, I'm so glad you called in. Guys, uh, our teeth is a professional boxer and I believe a dentist. That's correct. Yes, a dental surgeon. How, how awesome is that? And you've known Pauli Malignaggi for a while. You've fought pro since 2014. Um, you reached out to me this weekend. Yeah. We chat a little bit. I, I hope that you'd be able to call in. So I'm just going to let you speak here for a second because I know you're passionate about uh, what you have to say. Just go for it, my friend. No, I appreciate it, Michael. You know, thanks for having me. I mean, yeah, I've, I've known Paulie for the best part of uh, you know, almost 10 years now. Um, he's you know, a good friend of mine. Um, if, if I go to the state side, we, obviously we meet there. Whenever he comes to the UK, uh, we meet up and – you know, we we talk a lot. We have a lot of um, intellectually stimulating conversations about all sorts of uh, you know walks of life. You know, you know not just it's not just boxing, but all you know, all sorts of various topics. And um, and uh, you know, there's, and just like you know, every other topic in life with every other person, there's there's times you agree with the person, there's times you disagree. So when when you know, we've talked about things of you know, of, of race aspects as well, and even, as, you know, obviously more so in recent times. 
And there's a lot of things I, I agree with, Paulie. There's some things I disagree with, like, like with anything else. But one thing for sure, and one thing that's really frustrated me, seeing things on, on especially social media, is comments about Paulie being racist. And that's really sickened me because I've known, like I said, I've known Paulie for a very long time. And Paulie, is, Paulie has no ounce of racism in him, you know. Uh, I, and that's been the most upsetting thing. Like I said, even myself, as a good friend of Paulie, you know, I agree with some of the things, some of his things, and I disagree with some of the things, some, you know, some of those things, that, you know, that, you know, just generally, just, just, just with anything in, in life, even his interview, um, you know, again, it's like he said earlier, like there's, it's not, you know, you can agree, you can disagree, but the, the, the aspect is the fact that how Paulie is being labelled as a racist that this is one thing that I I can't fathom, you know, how people yeah. just put that on him. Uh, Paulie's got a track record, he's got a history of um, engaging with, um, you know, non-whites, African-Americans, the Hispanic community. And there's so many boxes he's helped, he's helped out. But I know um, personally that he's got a very good relationship with, with uh, some of the uh, black American fighters on PBC. Uh, I know I've, you know, I've been, I've been there in person, um, or even whilst he's on the phone with uh, with many of them, giving them advice, giving them advice in terms of their training, the techniques, uh, 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 financial advice, uh, you know, all sorts of things. Paul has gone out of his way to do this, you know. Uh, he's done that. He's also there's um, a, a Teddy Atlas Police Athletic League in 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 New York. He's also been involved with that. He's helped out many. African American boxers again. Out, you know, he's gone out of his way to do this. Uh, he's he's had a history of uh, having black trainers. Uh, you know, um, so uh, you know. And let's I, state I, for I the record. I think come from. I, let's. Could you state for the record what is your ethnic background? Because I think that's relevant to this discussion. Oh yeah, sure. So so my obviously I'm British, but my grandparents come from Pakistan, uh, and I'm also Muslim. So I'm you know, obviously I'm not I'm 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 not you know I'm non-white, hmm. um, and yeah uh, of course and I, I, and again with my uh, you know obviously uh, people if you were to look at my social media I've got a track record of being vocal about being you know of, of um, anti-racism uh, I've also spoke about the Black Lives Matter um, there's you know all sorts of things and stuff but my point being is that um, you know you have to be fair when you look at every situation um people jumping on the bandwagon and accusing poorly being you know racist is it's it's really you know you know i think they're really losing the big picture when, and and really you're actually um you you're, you're gonna really lose you know sort of you know ammunition and stuff when you look at actual real cause real issues of racism you know right. if you're gonna just call out racism or anything and saying that, oh, you're offended by this, you're offended by that, you're just going to hurt hurt your cause to say, oh, that, you know, when, there, when there's a genuine issue of racism and you bring it out, it's just going to be look, looked over. So this is my point is that, you know, always, like I said, he's got a track record of of, of having, um, even, for example, um, yeah, Saddam Ali is another young fighter from New York. He's, um, his parents, I believe, are from Yemen. Uh, originally, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he's he's known and helped him for, for, um, since since a young age. And in fact, when he fought, um, he was fighting Jesse Vargas, Saddam Ali, and uh, you know, Saddam came and asked Paulie for help. 
uh, and Paulie was uh, Paulie, you know, Paulie, Paulie was glad in the corner. And in fact, there was a bit of an issue that happened because Jesse was a little bit upset. Obviously, they've been friends from before as well. Um, and I believe Jesse was sparring Paulie as well when Paulie was um, having one of his fights. I think it was on the, I think it was for the when he was on the undercard for the Lewis um, the Hatton Ricky Hatton fight uh, against uh, Juan Lascano. Um, so yeah, Jesse Vargas was helping Paulie for that and stuff, and then Jesse kind of got he got a bit upset. Said, "Look, you know, you're kind of going against me." And then he said, "Look, I've known Saddam since he was a kid, you know, since he was like eight years old, um, you know. So please, don't, you know, don't look at it like that." But my point is that, you know, how can anyone accuse Paulie of being racist when he's got a track record of these things? You know, James DeGale, another obviously, you know, um, a, a British fighter who's mixed race. Um, again, you know, he's, he's had a great re- uh, relationship with him, and he's, he was helping him out. In fact, at first, you know, Paulie didn't want to, he didn't want to charge him uh, anything. But obviously, then they wanted James like no, you know, he insisted, and he also insisted that he wanted more time with him. He wanted him to come over and stuff like that. Uh, so then obviously, there was a business and financial element involved. But it's just, you know, like I said, there's, there's a, you know, Paulie's got a track record uh, of of. You know, uh, I mean, today, I, uh, you, I, you know, you, you also retweeted that video I put of a Paulie having that intimate, uh, sincere relationship, uh, conversation, rather, with uh, Adrian Broner. Right. And what's very significant, obviously, is that's after he lost that split decision, that's after all the drama that had happened. That's after Broner was know, very, very classless actually, in the way that he treated yes. Paulie. Oh, you mean in, in, in the fight, sorry? When when the two of them fought and Broner said a lot of things about Polly and his girlfriend or ex girlfriend or whatever it was oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. 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 It was ugly. Yeah, exactly. So there's there's a lot of there was, you know, there was a lot of animosity. There was a lot of you know, there was you know, Paulie was antagonized and he was rightly rightfully he was upset with uh, some of the things how Adria said. So that was you know, there was a lot of needle, there was a lot of uh, you know, bad blood there and stuff like that. But that's and, and this little clip happened after and Paulie had every right to be upset with Adrian and be like look okay not, you know, I'm not going to speak to him but Paulie's not like that and he went out of his way to you know he, he hugged he embraced Adrian Broner and he um, and he gave him some sincere advice you know um, so like I said it's, you know Paulie's got a track record of this stuff and, and I know that as a, as a friend of his from having many conversations behind closed doors and um, you know well, I've seen topics and even on topics of race I've seen your your post and you know i if you could you know i i appreciate you calling in and uh let people know where they can follow you on instagram and on twitter so they can see some of these posts these pictures you put out there because i think it's important i haven't seen any other fighters sticking up for paulie you're one of the few and i i it was just very refreshing to see that so uh please let everyone know where they can follow you uh, yeah, my uh, my social media is at Dr. Hitman Daniel. Um, so, yeah, you could obviously that's on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Hitman Daniel. Okay. Um, so that's on that fun stuff. But, uh, you know, actually, uh, Michael, there's there's one possible um, fighter, um, high-profile uh, black fighter who I think, uh, you know, he could have on actually on your show because from, a, from one of Paulie's mutual friends, I believe he was happy to kind of um, just – give some public support to Paulie actually and that's Peter Quillen okay so yeah so I believe I because I, 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 again he's, he's got a very good relationship with Paulie as well right and he was upset from what I've heard as well from a mutual friend of mine and Paulie's 
that he was quite upset with, you know, hearing all this stuff, and he wanted to kind of come out with some public support as well. So hopefully, you know, you could you know speak to him. But again, you know, again, if we're talking about ethnic minorities, uh, Luis Calazo, um, you know, obviously he's with his Hispanic background as well. Paulie, um, again, um, helped him, helped him a lot. And, uh, you know, I believe, I think there was a time that he was with, um, when he was looking to get signed, and I think he was looking to get signed with Don King, and uh, I think Paulie kind of advised him not to do so. <laughs> uh, he went ahead and he did, um, and then he got a bit stuck. There were some issues. Uh, eventually, we did, we did get released. He helped sort of introduce game to come to, to Golden Boy and get linked up with Al Heyman. And then, then he had obviously he had many of his big fights, you know, um, um, you know, with the one in, you know, with that relationship there as well. So it's just like I said, you know, Paulie's a, a very sincere, loving guy, and he looks beyond you know, anyone's, you know, land, language, color, religion, whatever it may be. Yeah. He's um, I've seen know, him so, help, just and I've heard a lot of the st- a lot of the stuff that you're telling me right now. These are conversations I've had with other people off the record, you know, after a fight, whatever, you know, the media hangs out, fighters hang out. You might even be hanging out with commission people, whatever it is. And this is the kind of stuff that people talk about. And you learn who the good guys are and who the douchebags are. You learn very quickly because people develop reputations. And Paulie has a reputation. He does say some bombastic things on camera and he he does say some polarizing things even not even racially yeah. but just in general no, no you know he has a track yeah, record yeah. of that There's but one his example, one example is probably the 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 peds issue the performance enhancing drugs oh yes of course he's, i talked about that before that. Yeah. yeah 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 so so he has said polarizing things that have rubbed fans the wrong way he's obsessed over pacquiao conor mcgregor that whole sparring thing but his track record in the sport with people when they talk when we talk off the record, his track record is being one of the good guys, you know, for the most part. Absolutely. There's there's some stunts Absolutely. he's pulled like everybody, but um, he's he's never been seen as a guy who's a racist piece of shit. Just never been seen as no, that guy. No Those way. guys are out there, no but he's not one of them. Yeah, like yeah. no, hundred percent, hundred percent. And to be, and that's been really uh, frustrating to see. And I and I I felt, you know. Um, uh, you know, as, as a friend of his, someone who's not white, you know, sometimes it's not nice to talk about these topics. And but, you know, frankly, that's how it is. I felt it was my duty to come out and to stand by Paulie because I just didn't like the stuff. And I, it's very interesting. You said some points earlier. You said that, for example, this interview was back way back in April, way before the the, the murder of George Floyd. Right. Um. Uh, you know, when all of all of all of the race aspect really kicked in all over the world um and you've seen changes and this this interview that took place was before that happened right um so it's just it's you know like you said it's just the, yeah. the timing the way how because I, th- I think that's i think that's relevant because you know look very relevant, very relevant. If, if 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 the interview was last week and paulie said yeah. some of these things well I think it'd be very, very justifiable that people would be like, whoa, slow down. What the hell are you very talking? Sensitive. Have you been watching yeah. the news? But he said yeah, this in exactly. April. And I'm not saying I agree yeah. with everything he said. There's th- certain things he said that I disagree with. There's certain words and phraseology yeah. he yeah, used yeah, I wouldn't use. Yeah, sure. Me too. But yeah, me too. Right. it was in no. April. And we're talking yeah. about this yeah. in late July, early August. Like, I just the timing of it looks funny to me. It just does. Yeah. No, no, hundred percent. It's like I said. It's just, it, it's just. Um, yeah, I, I think the problem is, is that 
there's, there's there's two issues here. One is that with with you know with any topic you know like something that's debatable, that's controversial, uh, a lot unfortunately sometimes people have already made up their minds. Right. And when they enter a sort of a discussion or they hear something, they've already made their decisions anyway, and they'll be sort of narrow, or even closed-minded, and not really want to say anything, and they, they've already got their opinions, and that's how it's going to be. So that's one problem you're going to face. And the second issue is that, you know, I, you, know, I, you know, is that if you're going to speak about a topic like this, it's going to take a while for you to really to explain your stance and, and, and really put things into perspective. Um, you, you're not really going to get your point across in a in a in a few minute interview or in a tweet. Um, you know, you, it just needs to be you know done you know properly in the right place and the right time, right? And with adequate time to explain things, you know. Um, right, and that's but, why uh, we we've been going. My show, this we're 80 minutes into the show here, and we're still talking about this. That tells you how complex well, this exactly. issue is. And there, there's people out yeah. there I know who are going to be frustrated and say, Montero, get to the fights, you know, wrap it up five <laughs> minutes. It's like, dude, you can't talk about this in five minutes. This, this is a complicated no thing, man. Very complicated. It's, 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 it's very complicated, very sensitive, right. especially in today's time. And like I said, you know, I've discussed in detail with Paulie about, 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 about some of these things, you know, and, we, you, know, we, we, you know, over dinner, over, you know, over, over some tea and coffee. And the thing is, is that, you know, like I said, is that you know, uh, you know, some things I, I agree with fully on these things, and some things I disagree with him. But it's right. all respectfully done. It's, it's 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 an intellectually stimulating discussion that we're having. But in no time have I ever thought, oh, fully, man, you're out of order here. That you're you're being racist. It's it's just it's just beyond, you know, comprehension, really. For right. you know, it's, 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 things don't work like that. You know, it's just um, that. You know, that's why I'm just. It's been it's been upsetting to have seen some of the statements that have been done. It's just uh, you know you know from general people and even people from the boxing world. You know I'm not going to mention any names and stuff. But like I said, Paulie's even he, he's he's even with present day you know fighters in in PBC uh, in from the PBC stable. You know and I'm talking about black fighters. He's got a great relationship with them. He's and he's given them advice. Out of his, you know, you know, he's got nothing to gain from doing that. You know, he's gone right. out of his way to give them advice, uh, financial advice, training advice, you know, whatever it may be. He's a guy who'll go out of his way to help people out, and that's that's poorly summed up for me. That's and that's you know, and that's why it's it's that's why I couldn't see all of this and just sit back and sit down quietly and just let it pass. I was like, no, I I'm not going to do that. Well, I appreciate you calling our teeth. I got other callers. We got to move on. But great, great call. And thank you so no, much no, for doing Michael. this, brother. No, I appreciate it. Michael, quickly, one thing, actually, if you don't mind. Just the discussion before, the, the caller before, he made a point, and I, was, and I just felt compelled to kind of <laughs> to mention, to say something. He mentioned about um, the Mikey Garcia and Errol Spence fight and uh, saying how he, he moved, that our Hamer had moved Mikey Garcia a couple of weights up to fight Errol Spence. That is actually incorrect. The thing is, is that Mikey Garcia believed himself. It was, he was, he was, a, you know, he still is, you know, but in that time, especially when he was on the feet and stuff, in that in that low weight category, a phenomenal fighter on the pound for pound list. And when fighters are, well, fighters, fighters naturally by instinct, they want to fight the best. That's how fighters are. And especially when you've got a fighter who's like in a pound for pound um, league. 
He wants to really go and test himself. Mikey Garcia, he, he himself believed he could go to 147 and beat Errol Spence. And the thing is, even his close people like his brother, um, he was he was he 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 didn't favor it. He he was saying, right. look, you, should, you know, you no, I, I don't think that's that's a good fight, you know. So the thing is that no one pushed. You know, certainly Al Heyman and and PBC, no one pushed him to that fight. Mikey Garcia wanted that fight for himself, and it's only when he done that and he called Errol Spence, that Errol Spence was like, okay, fine. And he obviously Errol Spence is smart because he's not just a fighter; he's a businessman as well. Thinking, okay, this this will be a great, you know, a great fight in terms of. Obviously, all the Hispanic people tuning in as well, and the audience, the numbers that Mike Garcia will bring in. You know, let's get it done at the Dallas Cowboys. So it's, you know, it's a business too. So he called him out. Errol Spence never said, "I want to fight Mike Garcia." When he had the challenge, he said, "Okay, fine, okay, let's do it." And yeah. so the thing is, no one actually forced him. No one actually, especially Al Haven and PBC law, Mikey Garcia wanted that challenge for himself. Well said. I mean, Mikey is a big boy, and he wanted that fight. And I was there in yeah. Dallas covering it. It was a fantastic event. I mean, that was almost 50,000 people there. It was a wonderful event. And, um, but you know, uh, good points, man. A great call. I I appreciate you calling in. Perfect, Michael. Good. Great talking to you. Speak to you another time. Absolutely. Take care. Absolutely. We'll do that. All right. Have a good night. You too. Cheers. Bye-bye. All right. What a great call, man. Uh, So guys, make sure you follow our teeth. Daniel, let me spell his name. Okay. A R T H I F. Our teeth, and then last name is Daniel, like it sounds, D-A-N-I-E-L. And I've, it's D-A-N-I-A-L, I think, on BoxRec. They spell it a little different. But anyway, follow him because um seems like a super cool guy. And uh, I thought that was a great call where he made some outstanding points. Okay, um, let's jump to a couple more calls. One thing I wanted to bring up, though, I saw somebody mention Mike Tyson in the chat, and I talked about, Mike Tyson earlier, the September issue of Ring Magazine, the Mike Tyson special. Think of all the crazy, crazy shit Mike Tyson said. The the polarizing, racist, misogynist, xenophobic shit that he said over the years when he was fighting. He hasn't fought in 15 years. He is America's sweetheart. There's a love affair with Mike Tyson right now. So... I think fighters tend to get a pass for saying crazy shit. I think that commentators, trainers, managers don't quite get the same pass. And part of me wonders, Pauli Malignaggi being a former fighter who had to talk his way into big fights because he wasn't this knockout artist. He wasn't a heavyweight. You know, he had a more defensive, slick kind of style that isn't always TV friendly as much. So, He talked his way into fights. That's how he got himself big fights, right? And I wonder if there's a part of him that still goes into that mode when he's on camera and it's difficult for him to kind of flip that switch and turn that fighter mouth off and just be commentator guy because uh, you're not going to get the same passes that a fighter would get. Fighters are expected to say crazy stuff. That's how they promote their events. And it is interesting that in recent years, Guys like Floyd Mayweather, Bernard Hopkins, plenty of others I can point to have said racist things, homophobic things. Tyson Fury, uh, Manny Pacquiao said homophobic things and uh, misogynistic things. Most of them got a pass. Only Billy Joe Saunders is the only guy I can think of that got punished at all for some of the things he said recently. It is interesting how 
Sometimes a guy gets in trouble for what he says. Other times he gets a complete pass. Devin Haney said some things that deeply offended some people. He put out an apology. All was forgiven. It didn't cost him anything. So is there a double standard? What's the threshold? Who controls that threshold? Where, where is the threshold between freedom of speech and freedom of consequence? And who, who, who dictates that? Who has the right to dictate that? Super Chat Pledge from Trent. Again, thank you so much. He says, Aaron McKenna reminds me of Mark Breland with a better left hook. That's an interesting comparison. He is my number one welterweight prospect. He has sparred Virgil Ortiz and Ramirez for years. Interesting, interesting. I don't know if I'd make the Mark Breland comparison quite yet. I think it's a little too soon. Uh, he's very, very young. I'm trying to think. Is Aaron McKenna, I, for those of you who don't know, Aaron McKenna is a prospect uh, out of Ireland that is signed to Golden Boy Promotions. He had a lot of good momentum going, but he hasn't fought at all this year, of course, you know, COVID. But um, he's only 21. He just turned 21, in fact. So uh, definitely a prospect worth keeping an eye on. And uh, Trent has a couple of super chats. Oh, I got to back up here. He says, I rate Aaron McKenna very high. He's 21 years old. All of Vir- Virgil Ortiz's fights have been televised. Only two of McKenna's fights have been televised. Look, Trent, I agree. Um, something about Aaron McKenna, I don't know. Golden Boy hasn't made the push quite yet. There's something they see in him that makes them want to take their time. Virgil Ortiz is way mature for his age, okay? He's further along than McKenna. If you look at McKenna's opposition, the guys he's fought, their their record, okay? Several of the guys he's fought only had one or two pro fights, and several of the guys he's fought had pretty bad records. So it's obvious they have a different plan with McKenna. It's not just Golden Boy. It's his handlers, his trainer, his team. They want to take their time. And you know what, bro? What's the rush? Let them take their time. But I agree with you. They should put some of his fights on TV, get him some exposure. Trent with another super chat says, Yo, Jodolov is my number one heavyweight prospect. Majidov is my number two. How does Makhmudov stack up? Is that weird head tilt that he does trouble for him? KO'd Nistor and Vianello. For those of you who don't know, um, let me look this guy up. I, I don't want to butcher his first name. Interesting tick that there's this, there's a heavyweight prospect out of Eastern Europe that uh, does this really odd head tilt. Okay, I'm going to destroy this first name. Arslanbek Makhmudov. All right, I did that pretty good. So he's out of Russia. He's based in Canada. 10-0, he just destroyed an ancient Sam Peter in December. Uh, has that very much that, you know, stereotypical. Oh, Felix P in the chat said it. Uh, in the chat said it. He said uh, he has the Drago, Ivan Drago, you know, type of uh, appearance. He kind of does the way he fights. But he does this really weird head tilt. He kind of jerks his head back every few seconds. And I don't know if he has Tourette's. I, I'm, I'm not saying this to be silly or be funny, but I'm serious. Like, I don't know if he has Tourette's or he, he has this nervous tick where his head jerks to the side, to the right, every few seconds. And uh, Trent brings up a good point. A really good fighter is going to time that shit with the left hook. So uh, Makhmudov, I don't know how far he could go with that. If he could keep his, his length... And stay behind the jab, it's good. He is six foot five, but when he gets in there with a guy who can reach and time him with a looping left hook, he might move right into that. All right, a couple more callers. Let's get to these guys. Um, 732, you're on the show. Go. 
Michael, this is Dan from New Jersey. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Dan from New Jersey. What's up? I'm, I'm the Dan from New Jersey from uh, Dougie's email, so I figured I'd better give you a call. Oh, awesome. All right. Thanks for calling in, man. I, all good. I figured there's no way that Dougie could resist the title like of Mice and Men and Mullinari. <laughs> but uh, I was really surprised and happy at just the detail he put into his, uh, his reply and just how personally, uh, you know, he responded. So uh, a big shout-out to Doug for that. I also wanted to comment on uh, your last caller. I was trying to – I appreciate that he was trying to defend Paul, but that's kind of uh, a no-win situation, right? Trying to defend yourself or someone else against this accusation of racism because trying to prove a negative is really impossible. Yeah. Like you can't prove you're not a racist. You know, you could show that all your best friends are all different ethnicities. You could be married to someone of color. It's not going to be enough, right? So while I appreciate what he did, and I appreciate that he's standing up for Paulie, uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't think it's, it's possible to really do that. Anyway, something I wanted to, to bring up to you was the Paulie situation. I don't know if you remember this. A couple of years back, Jimmy the Greek uh, got himself into a similar situation by trying to sound... I'm saying how I can say this. A little, trying to sound like an intellectual when talking about race. Right? He tried to put like a, a scientific or a, a, a social kind of aspect to it, which he really didn't articulate well. Yeah, so in to a put lot it ways, mildly. It reminded me of what, right? Of what Paul <laughs> was trying to do. Paul was just trying to sound smart. Well, he was trying to show. I wouldn't compare okay. Paulie's comments to Jimmy the Greek. I think Jimmy the Greek's comments were way more inappropriate and ignorant. Um, I, I think he cro he definitely crossed the line way more than Paulie. But I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. That's just my personal opinion. No, no, you're, you're right. But I'm not talking about the, the the comments themselves, but the attempt to sound scientific and intellectual. When talking about an issue that's that's not a fact, it's not factual kind of issue. It's more of a personal issue. It's metaphysical it's in a lot it. of ways. I'm, I'm saying, it, yeah, it's it's not about science, right? It's about feelings and the way people feel like they're victims. And I think Paulie was just trying to sound smart when he was talking about it, you know. And and I think that uh, it just kind of got him into trouble when when he moved into an area that. That's sensitive, but it was clear to me, at least, that his intentions were good ones. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was trying to say that we've all been there and that, you know, it's actually a positive thing uh, for African-Americans as, as they're moving up the socioeconomic ladder. Exactly. Right? And now the Eastern Europeans, they're more the, the low economy folks, right? Yes. And they're starting to, to ascend the boxing ladder because traditionally boxing has been a way out of poverty. Right. So he saw it as a win for African-Americans. And I think he was trying to articulate that. And it just came across real badly. I, I completely agree with you, Dan. I mean, I, I just everything I know about Paulie and I, I, I do think that's the sentiment he was trying to make. I will say Paulie has a tendency to, again, interject his personal uh, feelings and opinions a little too much. As a fellow Italian-American, this isn't me stereotyping. Maybe it's a cultural thing to a certain degree because we're taught to be that way in our homes growing up. 
Uh, it's something that we see our relatives do. You could be talking about the weather, and then someone's going to be pounding their fist on the table 15 minutes later talking about something personal. It's just what happens. But um, he, maybe Devin Haney's comments offended Paulie because growing up in New York, going to boxing gyms, he probably heard white boy, even though he's Sicilian. I don't know if that qualifies, how much that qualifies as white boy. Because for a long time, it didn't in this country. And to some neo-Nazi assholes, it still doesn't. But he probably heard that term in a derogatory sense thousands of times growing up. It certainly wasn't used as a term of endearment when he was the new guy at the gym, I'm sure. So perhaps that comment triggered Paulie and it pissed him off. Now, I'm just speculating. I don't know this at all. And maybe he interjected a little too much of his personal opinion in there where it didn't belong. But I'm with you. I think his general sentiment, he went about it the wrong way. He used certain vernacular he shouldn't have used. But his general sentiment was basically like, hey, man, this is a positive thing. You know, and it's we're not Devin Haney needs to look at what's going on in the sport right now and realize that if he loses to a quote unquote white boy, it's not a bad thing. It's not something he should be embarrassed about. If Devin Haney fought Vasily Lomachenko tomorrow and got beat, is that a bad thing? That's not, it, there's no shame in losing to Lomachenko. It's no different than losing to Terrence Crawford or Canelo Alvarez. No different. So I think that's the point Paulie was trying to make, and he just went about it the wrong way. I think that's, that's a, a fair assessment. One last thing I want to add, and um, I think Dougie mentioned this as well. People say they want a dialogue. At work, we've been told, we'll have a dialogue about race. Right. But what people want, I think what they really want, is just a forum to be heard. They don't want to hear a counterpoint. They don't want to have a two-way conversation. They just want to be heard, and, and they want you to know how they're feeling, right? I mean, nobody wants to be told, well, look, things are so much better now, because I don't think that really helps them. I think they just want you to hear that they're in pain and to acknowledge that. So I, I get it, right? I'm sympathetic, and I'm trying to be understanding of the situation. So that's what I got for you. That's good stuff, Dan. And, and I agree with you. I think some people just want to be heard. I think – the, the problem is when people just want to shout and they don't want to listen. And when they say, hey, man, I'm feeling pain, but they don't realize that the person opposite them might be feeling pain, too. It might not be the same pain, but they might be feeling pain, too. And I think too much now in, in our political discourse, uh, people say, well, if you're of this group, you can't feel pain. If you're a man, you can't experience sexism. If you, you know, that, that sort of thing, which obviously is ignorant and untrue. And when you're told constantly, hey, man, you don't get to talk about this, and you're constantly having to hide your feelings when you finally get a chance to express them, sometimes a bunch of stuff comes out the wrong way, and maybe that's what happened. But outstanding points, man. I agree with all of them, Dan. Good stuff. Thank you, and you're on point. As usual, appreciate what you're doing. Keep doing it. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Have Thanks a good for night. The call. You too. Bye-bye. All right, let's jump to uh, one more call here, guys. 702, you're on the show. What's up, Mike? It's Rob Palmer. How you doing? Hey, Palmer. What's up, man? What's up, man? I, I do want to talk about Angelo, Angelo Leo. 
Um, oh yeah. And get your thoughts on his performance, but I do want to have my have my say on Malinaji if that's possible. Absolutely, man, go for it. So um, I agree, there's been a target on Paulie's back for a long time, and I agree with you. It's kind of a, a combo of his openness with his political beliefs and him not ass kissing PVC fighters that that's eventually got him fired. Um, I think the Eastern European comments are kind of a nothing. I don't think anybody was really upset about those if the racial oppression no longer existing comments that were the final straw and at the time I thought that was an ignorant thing to say I still think it's a pretty ignorant thing to say that's my opinion on it um and really if you look at Paulie he's he's a street guy that's in a corporate world and I know we kind of look at boxing as boxing but he's still working for Showtime CBS and that's a major corporation and saying that kind of thing whatever your opinion on it, it just does not fly in that world of California, Southern California, and and, and being in the media bubble, and, and you know about that as well. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's very fair. And, and again, I don't know if you heard at the beginning of the show where I, I read those comments word for word. Yeah. And I yeah. said, I, th- I really think that's the point where Paulie kind of went over the line. And it's not about whether you agree with what he said or disagree, because you could make an argument that there is an exaggeration of the way the media reports everything, not just racial matters, but all things. Uh, there's a lot of fear porn and fear mongering. And if it bleeds, it leads, you know. And so maybe Paulie was hinting at a kernel of truth, but the way he worded it and the, the saying that th- that sort of thing doesn't exist at all in the world. I mean, you know, that, that, that's 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 tough to to roll with. That that's a uh, he just shouldn't have went there. And you're right, he's a street guy working in corporate America. And you know a lot of people look at me and they think I grew up in some suburb or something. I grew. You know about me though, Rob. You know I grew up in the street, and I've had to make that transition, and that hasn't always been easy for me. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it, it is. It's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, at the same time, I do want to come to the defense a little bit of Devin Haney, who's kind of become the enemy for some people in mm. since all of this has happened. I keep hearing this whole sort of narrative, oh, of if, a, if a white person said that about black fire, like, what would the punishment be? It'd be way worse. they get in trouble. And I just don't see that as being true. You can look at countless examples. Sergei Kovalev is someone that springs to mind who said some stuff that is, in my opinion, way, way worse than saying I wouldn't lose to a white guy. And he didn't say white guy like though. Well, he said white oh, boy. But he said, well, he, yeah, sure. But he and, said, in my opinion, the stuff that Kovalev has said is way, way worse. And he's. I don't. I don't like necessarily disagree with you, Rob. He said those things. I don't necessarily yeah. disagree with you. The only difference I would say with Kovalev is you're, if you're referring to that Russian interview that goes back you know, way at the beginning of his career, that was on a Russian site in the Russian language. And so it was a little different. But I do agree with you. Some of the comments Kovalev made were worse than what Haney said. And I'm with you. What Haney said wasn't – like it didn't bother me. I didn't lose sleep over it. But you could, we can also point to things that Bernard Hopkins said, things that Floyd Mayweather said um, – things Adrian Broner has said that are worse than both of those guys. And there's, there's been nothing there, you know, that happened with them. So uh, look, Tyson Fury said some 
has said some uh, homophobic things. Manny Pacquiao said some homo- Manny Pacquiao said some homophobic things, and it cost him sponsorships. Tyson Fury got a lot oh, yeah. of heat in the UK for his comments. Billy Joe Saunders got in trouble for comments that were deemed misogynist. So it, there That's does true. seem to be different reactions to some of these comments. Yeah, but I don't think those different reactions are purely based on if you're a black person, you can get away with saying this. I agree I with you. I agree. I agree. To that. Yeah. That's not always the so case. So over to, over to Leo, um, I was really impressed with this guy. He He's not a powerful puncher, but he's, he's like a strong puncher, if that makes sense. And his style is exciting, and he's still really young. So he just really impressed me, and the fact that he was fighting this guy who's a like a – you know, a relatively skillful, tricky southpaw at a week's notice, and he he really impressed me. And I also think it's actually worked out that that Fulton fight didn't happen because that was looked at as like a coming out party for Fulton and an easy win for him if you look at the betting odds. Mm-hmm. And now that's seen as a really interesting fifty-fifty fight that you know could be built up into something something big. So, what's your thoughts on you know Leo and his performance and, and, and the future for him. Yeah, I agree with you. So uh, Stephen Fulton, I just want to make sure everyone on the show is aware. Uh, he was supposed to fight Stephen Fulton out of Philly, 18-0 prospect out of Philly. And um, he tested positive for COVID, so he's pulled out. Tremaine Williams comes in last minute. This was for the vacant WBO uh, junior featherweight title. And Leo, as, as you mentioned, Robbie, he's not a power puncher, but he's a strong guy if that makes any sense. Sometimes you could be a strong guy, but not necessarily a power puncher. On the inside, at mid-range, he's just strong and sturdy. And I thought that he looked really, really good. And now a fight between Leo and Fulton, like toward the end of the year. Maybe you put that, I'm just dreaming here, you put that on the uh, third fight between Fury and Wilder or something on that pay-per-view, I think that'd be awesome, you know, for his first title defense or something like that. that would be a good spot for it, for sure. Yeah. All right. I appreciate the time, buddy. Yeah, thanks for calling in, Rob. Appreciate it, man. Later on. Have a good night. All right, guys. So um, all right, we're caught up on phone calls, caught up on the Super Chats. Long show today, but I'm not surprised. That's why we didn't have a guest today, because this, this is loaded stuff, man. We've had a lot of calls here. Let me jump real quick to, uh, to the review. So uh, in Thailand, Saturday, Wasaksil Wangek, or Suisaket Sorungvisai, uh, scored a unanimous decision win over Amnat Ruenroeng. This was a non-title fight. Of course, uh, Rungvisai holds the title at 115. I think this fight was at like 122 or just uh, – it was. I know it was over 118. It wasn't bantamweight. It was uh, super bantamweight or junior featherweight, whichever way you want to call it. Neither of these guys had fought in over a year. Wong Gek or Rungvisai, I, I don't know which name he prefers. I think he prefers Rungvisai. It seems that he's kind of lost some of the momentum he had in 2017, 2018. He just doesn't seem like the same dude. I don't know what it is. I think he's a cop over there now in Thailand or something. Maybe he's got stuff just pulling him away from boxing, and it's not 100% his focus, but he just doesn't seem like the same nasty dude. I feel like the Rungby side of 2017, 2018 would have stopped Rowan Rowang. That's just how I feel. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just what the eye test tells me. Matchroom fight camp over in Brentwood. England, Ted Cheeseman scores a unanimous decision over Sam Eggington. This was the egg and cheese special. 
Cheeseman has had a couple of close decisions lately that some people feel didn't go his way that he deserved to win. That's what some people feel. Either way, he finally got over the hump in this fight. He should be, I think he won like a minor IBF regional title. He should be in the hunt for a title fight within the next 6 to 12 months. And at the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut on Showtime, this was uh, the first Showtime Championship boxing broadcast without Pauli Malignaggi in a long time. So as I mentioned, Stephen Fulton pulled off that card. Angelo Leo gets uh, a vacant title with his win over Tremaine Williams. And then uh, American prospects Raiz Alim, 122-pounder, and Joseph George, 175-pounder, stayed undefeated with wins. Quick preview. This weekend, Friday, August 7th, there's a card on the zone here in the USA, Sky over in the UK. Uh, it's from Matchroom, and it's topped with a women's title bout. And then Saturday, August 8th in Los Angeles, PBC on Fox. I'm going to call this the vacant interim WBA, WBA show. Fox's uh, fall schedule is supposed to be announced during this broadcast. So we're going to get official announcements of Spence versus Garcia and all the other fights that are going to take place for the rest of the year on Fox and Fox pay-per-view. Expect Fury Wilder 3 announcement to be included in that. Jamal James versus Thomas DeLorme for the vacant interim WBA title at 147 pounds. Because at 147, we don't just need another vacant title. It's got to be a vacant interim title. That's how the WBA does business. And then also at 168 pounds, another vacant interim title between David Morrell and Lennox Allen. So that is it for this weekend. Whew, man. What a show. What a show. We talked about some heavy, heavy stuff today, guys. But I think it went pretty damn well. I think that um, we got a lot of great points across, a lot of different points of view from a lot of different perspectives, from a lot of different parts of the world. Always remember, the person opposite you in a conversation has a different life experience than you. And just because their experiences and everything are different, their opinions might be different, doesn't mean they're wrong. And the way we grow is talking to people that we disagree with. I love having conversations with people that have a different take on something. It's how I learn. It's how I grow. It's how I get better as a human being. So, guys, awesome show. We'll do it again next Monday. Thank you so much for all of our great super chats, all of our great callers today. I'll see you at the fights.